today's podcast, I'm talking with Annie Hood, who is the creator and founder of the Well Tech Intelligence Holdings portfolio. It includes Well Intelligence, Well Business Solutions, and KIS Lifestyle. The three brands have been developed organically over the last 10 years and now operate together as an agile powerhouse of well-being business intelligence. Annie is a sought-after international speaker and champions health and well-being as a unifying anchor between public and private sector initiatives. So welcome, Annie, to the ESG podcast. Thanks, Clive. We're very lucky to have you. And from that introduction, it would seem that social impact runs through your business's DNA. Are you very familiar with ESG? Well, there's certainly increasing client demand to understand, create and execute social impact and value as, a, as an intrinsic part of their business. And ESG, of course, is a, is a huge part of that. And on a personal note, it wasn't an original anchor, but it's started to become such a priority in private sector as well as public. We've really needed to get our arms around you know what it means what the various um, subsets are and um, how it can be intertwined really particular with private sector I think public sector are a bit ahead of private on its embrace of it so so yes I'm probably more familiar than most I suppose I think that the, the value of an investment is no longer about returns and and uh, that's such a welcome thing I think in this world there's an increasing requirement across Europe and the SEC in America are looking at regulating this area for public listed businesses but for the private sector at the moment if you think you can get away with not reporting your environmental social impact mm-hmm. and corporate governance structures you can which is basically mm. why we started the ESG Foundation last year, because we don't think you should be able to. I think you're absolutely right. It takes me to consider and perhaps give some shape to the difference between ESG, SRI and impact investing, because I've noticed that those three subsets get used interchangeably, but in fact, they're not the same thing. Do you mind if I if I just you it. know absolutely. quickly um, yeah. spot on that? So ESG, um, of course, is is environment, um, social and governance practices, um, but it's alongside more traditional financial measures too. And and the main objective is still financial performance, but with a consideration to environmental, social and governance. SRI or, or socially responsible investing involves a more ethical proposition. So it, it actively removes um, or chooses to invest Um, based on specific ethical guidelines. Now, that goes a step further than ESG by selecting or eliminating investments according to ethical standards. So profit's still important, but it's balanced against conscience and principles. Impact investing, on the other hand, seeks to help a business or organisation complete a project or uh, develop a programme that does something incredibly positive to benefit society and the planet but the positive outcomes here are the most important that they're, they're way above the money it still does make money an impact investment but it's not the primary goal and it's this category that would be seen as as the category before just before philanthropy and and um so so when it gets used into interche- interchangeably for those that are listening to this you'd need to qualify um Is it ESG? Is it SRI? Or is it impact investing? Because those three different subsets are driven by slightly different values. I think it's worth saying. Now, there's a well-worn phrase, an army marches on its stomach. 
a saying which attests to the importance of forces being well provisioned, which has been attributed either to Napoleon or possibly Frederick the Great. In your experience in the business world, do you think enough leaders today are taking enough time to consider the welfare of their employees as a business asset? Well, increasingly so, Clive, um, increasingly so. I'd actually add to your question, if, if you don't mind, and ask whether enough boards are taking time to consider their leadership. I, I'm seeing more than ever, particularly in the last couple of months, leaders needing more support. The, you know, the pressure they're currently under is seismic. It really, really is. And, and it's about building resilience, but it's much more than that. It's about connecting at a deeper level within themselves and with others and, and being able to have a, yes, a resilience, a, a slightly softer, more emotionally intrinsic resilience, if, if, if you will. I know that wasn't your question. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, right, I'll bring you back. I, I do think I do think that's I do think that's important. But, you know, for employees, um, I, I, I really do. And, and I've spent um, hours and hours the last couple of weeks actually talking to employment lawyers to try and to get a, a sense, a grip, a pulse on what is happening uh, at a contractual level. Um, what they're seeing, you know, companies doing to take better care. And I, I see it honestly as, as a rather positive picture. And not least, of course, because companies know that if they don't step up to the plate on this, they will lose talent and they won't and or they won't be able to attract talent. So I think we're going to be in better shape, but it's, it's still all a little bit... Um, supposition and um, speculation because we're still in lockdown and um, we need to see what happens as the dust as the dust settles but I'm seeing some really positive things. So drill down on that a little bit more if you wouldn't mind what, what's your perception of how well leaders themselves have coped through COVID-19 um, and are there any I lessons that we can learn I mean mm -hmm. dear listener we are now recording this in the middle of March what lessons can be learned do you think at the moment Annie? Well if we're on leaders now um, I think many of them have really struggled and I, I, I think it's it's certainly the sorts of things that have been are being shared with me are just how many directions they are pulled in from strategy and saving a business to doing the right thing by their employees being there for their employees um, and what we even explored actually recently that in many cases, the leadership role was becoming something of a parental role. And I could really relate to that because I've, I've worked, I worked many years in the Middle East and as a leader in the Middle East, your workforce is, is generally extremely multicultural. You might have, you know, 50 different nationalities working for you and they don't have any um, familial uh, structure around them. They've all come in as expats and, and you are, you know, the de facto parent in that, in that case. Now, we're, we're not in the Middle East, um, but I, I'm, I'm starting to feel that, that the same sort of expectations are applying, perhaps not to quite the same level, but there is a great need of an employee of their leadership today a lot more than it was previously. Now, what does that mean? Um, what does that mean for the leader? Well, it, it, it means that, you know, they have to put on their oxygen mask first. 
it means a, a real sense of um, awareness, consciousness and responsibility for themselves. And to be being able beyond that sort of what I'd call sort of functional resilience to, dare I say, a more heart-centered approach, a, a sense of how they feel, um, a sense of, you know, growing their intuition and, you know, just being a bit more rooted in themselves and who they are. Um, there's there's a, a great need for that. I mean, a, almost a gluttonous need for it because it's so absent. Well, as you know, I've come across you because you've currently, um, you're, you're leading this masterclass series for leaders about well-being in a post-COVID world. That's right. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit more about, specifically about that? Yeah, of course I can. Um, thank you. Thank you, Clive. Well, I mean, the idea was born from a recognition that well-being in business, working and living are still being perceived as happening in silos rather than being an integrated part that forms a whole. Um, and of course, well-being is no longer a sort of fashion trend. It's absolutely um, a culture that is woven through our work life, um, play, um, living, everything we do, it, it, it really does, um, it really does matter. And the relevance of, of well-being today, particularly in the realms of what I've just what, what I've just described, is absolutely essential for people to maintain a positive um, sense of well-being. And, and just to give you a flavour, if I may, you know, we we work around six um, you know sort of modules within the the masterclass: um, consumer behaviour, values and habits policy maker attention, social innovation, impact and value, which includes, of course, um, ESG, uh, conscious leadership, what it means, why it matters, where to begin. And that's very much around what, what, I, what I was just talking about. Consensual employment contracts, um, supply chain value, financial well-being, technology and mental health um, and sustainable, sustainable living. And, and what I'm learning um, from those that are participating is just how much the need exists to have fluidity, if you will, that when we lead and, and live our lives, we, we, we go into work as maybe a, um, a chief executive officer or a director, um, we go home, we still have the same values, we still have the same needs, we're still the same people. And we're starting to embrace the fact that those values, those same values can exist in our um, home lives and family as exist in our business. And, um, and bringing the, those to the foe of, of human impact and environmental impact is, is, I would say waking people up, is, is there's, there's a much better grasp of, of what that means to integrate it and weave it through the culture of your business from employees to um, philosophy, to policy, to how one treats one's supply chain, all, all and above really are, are, are relevant. And, and, you know, these are the things we weave together, if you will, in the masterclass. So that leads me really to, to my next question. Um, and I think people might be surprised by what you've suggested are the vulnerabilities of leaders, but we'll, we'll move on from that. Because we all need good role models, 
both at work, as you mentioned, and, and at home. So just to make this real to people, are there any countries or organisations you, you could name who are taking the responsibility of their employees' well-being really seriously? Um, the kind of places which score highly in their metrics for social impact, for example. Mm. Um, well, certainly for countries, um, the Social Progress Index last year, 2020, the top four countries were New Zealand, Denmark, Finland, and Norway. Now, they are all run by women. Um, and I know we're, we're beyond um, international Women's Day, uh, but it's, it still feels very appropriate, um, of course, um, to, to highlight that. Um, and, um, you know, I was, I was thrilled to see it. I, I must say at the other end of the end of the scale, um, the, the, the countries that were progressive were the US and Hungary, um, both um, certainly at that time uh, um, go by. By males, um, I'm not. I'm not. I can't be too generalistic about it. I'd be nice, Clive. Um, but I, you know, I do think that's worth noting. And you know, qualities of um, empathy, compassion, kindness, love um, are important ones. And and you know, I think it, it is possibly true to say that um, um, the female of the species may find it um, easier to exhibit that again I'm being very generalistic I know many um empathic and very compassionate men so I am being I am being very very generalistic I mean in terms of um companies I mean the, the, the ones that sort of stand out to me um right now at the moment Ikea would be one um I'm remembering you know that they uh, well they've done many many things but they pay back furlough monies you know very very recently um and you know we're just very honest about um you know their their earnings you know through all of this uh john lewis would be um another one and you know any equal um b corp brother um companies you know if, if from a listener's perspective if you want to know about uh you know companies that are um, doing well by many metrics, actually, um, relative to um, social impact um, and value, ESG, you know, the B Corp platform is a good one, very good one to, um, to look at. Okay, um, you make a good point, actually, as well, about uh, businesses which are returning furlough money. Um, mm. And I'm going to enjoy uh, the response when the ESG Foundation puts it to some chief executives why they haven't returned furlough money, but they have mm. given their shareholders a dividend. It'll be an interesting. No, it'll be an interesting argument, which I, as mm. a former head of communications, would not like to have to make on behalf of my board. No. But there we go. There will be some businesses that try and get away with it. I think, sadly. No, indeed. I tell you who I really admire and have done for years is Paul Pullman. Um, and he's not at Unilever anymore. Um, uh, but you know what he did between I think it was two thousand and ten and perhaps 2018, you know, it was a real model um, to transformation in companies that, that moved move the needle, if you will, towards sustainability, um, social impact and value. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a great admirer of, of his. I think Unilever generally have got this uh, reputation now, haven't they, for, for grasping the nettle? 
Um, well, that's because of Paul. I, I would, I would, I would. Yeah, they're one billion carbon um, fund. Yeah, the one billion pound mm. carbon fund to um, decarbonize their supply chain, I think, is quite admirable. Mm. Um, mm. You mentioned something that made me smile. Um, you're talking about the fact that um, perhaps four of the most admired countries in the world are all four countries in the world are all led by women. Um, there is a, there's a song that jumped into my head. And you will have heard it. Um, the female of the species is more deadly than the male. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. Um, nonetheless, I think you make a very good point that uh, New Zealand, Denmark, Finland, and Norway are clearly role models on any ESG metric um, that you would care mm -hmm. to, uh, to care to use. But let's just look again at this business of governance and and social impact. Um, can I suggest we chat a little bit about the pressures on leaders and the new skill sets that they need going forward? Um, I think there's a concern and, and focus rightly so on taking care of employees' well-being, but the leadership of, of companies must also be nourished and the demands of leadership have changed. Leaders are managing from the, in, you know, from the future or will manage in the future in a way that's historically different. Um, mm. what, are, what are your thoughts on that in terms of what what qualities, not necessarily quality, what training do leaders need in the future in order to deliver, for example, on their, against their ESG commitments? Well, really, it's it's about where they are as, as people. And, and I'm going to be slightly off-piste here and, and say, you know, we're talking about qualities and, 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 and what they need. And we've talked about some of them, you know, that sort of um, that empathy and compassion mm. and kindness. You know, if I may, what I've seen recently as well is, is that those not just in a leadership position actually anybody if there is an indifference to spiritual values there's a struggle and, and what i mean by that is is a willingness having a willingness to identify that there's something bigger than us and i you know and I, i'm not being religious about it i'm just being um that sense of awareness and presence and connection at a very personal and, and, and deeper level. And I think what's happened during lockdown is that people have been afforded time to be still, not everybody, but that stillness helps peel the onion back, if I can say that. It helps us connect at a deeper level that builds a more nuanced resilience inside us. Now you asked how that is relative to delivering on ESG principles. Well, I think the more connected we are with ourselves, with our own values, with our own beliefs, with our own purpose, the more connected we are naturally to other people, nature, you know, the environment, society, and doing what's right, not doing the right thing, like a tick box, but doing what's right from a conscience perspective. And I go back to that um, conscious leadership aspect and what we're seeing too, and you've probably heard it bandied around quite a lot. Um, the word quantum is, is, is sneaking into, crikey, I feel like everything, whether it's quantum computing, quantum leadership, um, you know, I, I see it around and, 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 and quantum is, is really about um, a certain unpredictability, um, a, a sort of leadership from the future, um, being able to um, manage in um, amidst great adversity. And, um, you know, in fact, I, I, I did a piece on it quite, uh, quite recently that I'm, I'm very happy to share or if you want to tag it. Um, tag it to this piece I'd be you know very happy to but 
you know, the, the leaders in this in this sort of segment are more um, vision and value led. They're, 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 they adapt very quickly. They're unafraid to play with the boundaries, to reinvent rules, to celebrate diversity. Um, and, and, you know, that was in part, a, a, you know, some words I've taken from a, a quote by um, Dana Zohar. Um, and, you know, I, I just think, Clive, it's such a fascinating time and the sky's the limit for leadership and, in fact, anybody. And I would encourage people to be more contrary don't stick with the sort of old traditions. And, you know, it's that um, that old, what I call mechanistic or process-driven Newtonian approach. Um, you know, it's not about levers anymore. And, and um, it, you know, it's, it's about connecting and feeling and, and, and having a conscience. And, and those are the things that, that help people on that road to the embrace and the weave, if I can say that, of ESG principles in their business. I mean, that's fascinating. We could we could talk really about the um, the impact that lockdown has had on people. I like particularly the the fact that you felt that lots of people have had more time to, to think um, about. Well, doing just right. to be, if I may, Indeed. just to yes. be. Yeah. yeah, doing the right thing or the right thing to do. I'm 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 in my household currently. There are two gen. Uh, Generation Zs um, who won't mm. be led um, in the same way that I I was led when I was twenty five. Um, oh, I can imagine it. They'll be managed by consensus, or they won't be managed at all. And I think that's one of the mm. things I'm learning, um, particularly when I have conversations with chief execs about um, ESG. It, it's not just that it's the right thing to do; it's the only way to do it. Um, I mm. think they're learning. Um, but uh, to, to the point about memory, um, just just triggered triggered an observation I'll make before I just wrap this up. Um, one of the best poems I've ever read was is a poem by Craig Rain um, called "It's the Onion Memory That Makes Us Cry," and uh, I would urge you to go online and have a quick look at that. It's not only moving, but it also explains how we are the way we are. And I think you've touched on a number of things um, in terms of your experience at Well Intelligence that we'll, we'll come back to, I'm sure, in, in, on the ESG podcast again and again and again. Um, so, so thank you very much for helping us talk around the S of environmental, social and governance behaviours. Um, I'd recommend everybody, not just leaders, looks at Well Intelligence's website. And I'm sure we'll speak to Annie Hood again. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for listening. And if you aren't doing so already, please subscribe to the ESG Foundation's channel on YouTube. And, and once again, thank you, Annie, very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. I loved it. Thanks so much, Clive.